This is Sage Talking. If your brain is ready to soak up some natural, informative, and no BS knowledge, then you're in the right place. Join me in talks about nature, people, health, sustainable businesses, and everything in between. You won't miss out on the occasional politics and interviews with ecopreneurs either. P.S. I want to know what you want to know. So send in questions or topic requests on my IG at thrive underscore by nature. Hey, and thank you for being here. Hello everybody and welcome back to Sage Talking. In this episode, I'm talking to Jack from Jack's Patch, which is a regenerative no-dig permaculture farm outside of London. Today, Jack shares a story about how life led him to become so passionate about growing food and working with nature. And it always comforts me to talk to people who care for Earth, who know and work to heal nature, and that is a big part of this conversation today, since he shares some of the practices on his farm, how he tends to the soil, and how we as humans really have the ability to heal nature and support natural processes instead of making life harder for us and the planet. What's your story, Jack? How did you get into permaculture and regenerative farming? So back in 2013, um, I went to Australia to do a work travel visa. Um, I was always into like nature, but never really had an access to maybe um, like figure out the solutions to the problems in the world. I was always like, oh, this is going on. This is going on in the world, like destruction to rainforest and things like that. But I was still quite young and I was traveling, trying to enjoy myself in a different climate, a different environment. Um, lived in a sleepy beach town for uh, two years, pretty much. Uh, tr- just trying to live like a, a better life in terms of being like a little beach bum, <laughs> living <laughs> by the beach, surfing all the time. But I knew I needed to get my um, travel um, to extend your visa in Australia, you have to do 88 days agricultural work. And luckily, it was just right place, right time. Uh, a farmer come into a hostel looking for work and the receptionist who he got on with, the guy who ran the hostel, pointed at four of us guys sitting in reception, drinking beer at like midday, which because you're traveling, you can do that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> and was just like, you, 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 you go and help this guy for a day so he took us in his van back to his farm which was about 30 minutes inland uh, from the east coast of australia um, quite near byron bay Uh, it's really beautiful part of the world Um, and it was a permaculture farm so never heard the word permaculture ever but he showed us around a little bit and we just had to kind of clear contours in the land so go through the woodland area cut some old weeds down and there was like contours in the land like uh, little hills like a ripple in the land and that used to be where you you could grow on top of so we had to clear it to grow lemon and lime trees Um, but we've done so much work in the day that he invited us back so we could we could get that 88 days signed off so in the first day uh, he showed us around the farm a bit and I just noticed that the animals were free they were just like grazing everywhere um everything looked really lush and it all flowed really well and it just seemed it didn't look like a farm it looked like a bit of paradise and he had um like a gravity fed 
aquaponics system as well outside. So aquaponics is a really cool and efficient food production system that basically couples aquaculture, so raising aquatic animals such as fish, snails, prawns, anything in tanks basically with hydroponics which is um, the process of cultivating plants in water and obviously the um, different animals that live in the water induce it with uh, nutrients by basically pooping and peeing in there anything that they do in there and um, that is basically just the process of having these two systems side by side complementing each other it saves a lot of water it is really nutrient rich and really efficient it's it's an incredible process i'm going to link one article and also a youtube video down below that is by rob bob's aquatic uh, aquaponics and backyard farm um, which shows basically the different steps the setup if you want to know more about it or maybe if you want to build one in your own backyard and yeah, the garden was all like mulched. It had like its own, it was all in swales. It just looked so different to what I'd ever seen before. But what really got my mind going was he said, to, he said to us to go pick our own lunch and then uh, we come back and cooked. So we picked the food, we ate it within about 20 minutes. And it was the first time I really tried a tomato or any type of vegetables that actually tasted like a vegetable. Um, I feel like in the UK, we, we don't really have our standard of quality is pretty low, I say. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was like first time I'd ever had a farm grown tomato and other like potato and a leek and seeing an egg crack and it was actually bright orange. And I was like, oh, my God, is this what real food tastes like? So it was kind of like light bulb moment of I was so interested in that lifestyle the fact that it was the first time I'd tried vegetable up until I was 23, 24 years old at the time. And it felt like I just tried food for the first time. So it just sent me on a bit of a rabbit hole of like, I wanted, I now want to do this forever. It just had like so much good attached to it. And I felt like it was my time. I found the solution to the problems in the world through growing food and living a good lifestyle. That story right now, that was like the most beautiful image in my mind. I could have listened to this like for 10 hours. That sounds like <laughs> the, that sounds like really the best way to kind of awaken to this different way of life. And as you said, solutions to some of our problems, because obviously agriculture is one of the most destructive industries in the world. Um, but yeah, that sounds so amazing and so lovely. That's definitely like, wow, I... I want that. <laughs> yeah, I was so, I was very lucky. It was like right place, right time. Um, but I now 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 I have a farm. It, that was meant to be because that's where my life just completely changed. I was electrician in the city before that um, in London. I was always traveling, and I was always I always said to myself like I manifested it in a way that I will find what I want to do whilst on my journeys like around the world. Um, and I did and I didn't know it would be farming at all but it's kind of meant to be yeah it sounds like it um, and I think like one of the things if I think about it is always like there's 
you know, many people search for a sense in their lives. And it's like, what makes more sense than working in and with nature and feeding people with like healthy, nutritious food, keeping soil healthy and things like that. Like there's, there's little that makes more sense than that, because we all have to eat and, mm. you know, so um, I can definitely understand that. Um, and your because your farm is obviously like many of these farms is a no dig farm so you don't till or dig the soil um what are the main reasons for that that you don't do that um it's so simplified um when i found no dig um i kind of at first done my permit i've done a permaculture course in costa rica um so I'll just go back a little bit. So Australia happened, went, uh, come home, got an allotment, um, which is like small, very small community space. But like you kind of own it for super cheap, like £14 for the year is crazy. You just get given a slice of grass and turn it into a garden with loads of other people doing the same thing on the in a, in a small space. Um, and then I just wanted to learn more. So... Um, I went to Costa Rica. I like, googled permaculture. It's called Finca Tierra. So at the time, they were the top hit, and I just said, wherever that is, I'm going to go there now. <laughs> and you know, like this podcast was very spontaneous. Uh, that trip was very spontaneous. So, um, but I googled that on Thursday, and by Saturday, I was in Costa Rica on on the course because it said it was like three days away to start the course. I was like, "Oh God, can I still get there?" Emailed them. They said it was cool, paid, flew out there, um, and it, I just was like in the middle of the jungle, um, off grid for six weeks, and the course was only about yeah, I think it was like a month or a couple of weeks, um, and just immersed myself into learning about permaculture but permaculture no dig is just a little bit different to the no dig practice i do now so the permaculture no dig levels that i saw was it's all about feeding the soil and just leveraging nature so nature is perfect as it is we just need to work with it instead of against it Uh, realize we are as much importance as a bee and a worm uh we are part of like a instead of like a pyramid we're within this web system but the beautiful thing about humans we can destroy the world but we can also build it up super quick so we could plant a farm with 30 people with the right resources in a day like if you (laughs) that's what i find really cool like as much as we destroy it we could we could replace it pretty quickly yeah um so the permaculture no dig was like uh so uh, compost on top of the soil then it was cardboard then wood chip but the only problem with that is you can't direct sow into that so that was more for like planting trees and having like a good mulch around it where which are done on the allotment for a year but it was mainly like transplanting stuff into that and then i found charles dowding um, which is a popular no digger in the UK. He actually um, pioneered the term no dig. Um, and what it is, is just feeding the soil. So it's just putting compost. So let say you've got a bit of grass. Um, there's cardboard on top of that, which is a carbon layer. And that cardboard breaks down after a, a couple of months. Um, so you can still grow carrots in that. It will just break that cardboard. Or if you wet the cardboard first, the worms break it down quicker. 
And then you just put compost on top of that. And if you feed the soil, it feeds you. So when you break the soil, when you till it, you actually expose the soil to loads of conditions it's not used to. So all the microbes are exposed to oxygen and the sun. So it kills off a lot of life and the soil's got to recover before it gives nutrients to that new plant. So if you feed the soil with compost, then the nutrition is there available and that soil is undisturbed and then becomes richer because you fed it. Um, so I hope that makes sense, <laughs> but yeah. you, you're just feeding it. And that's what we need to do. If we're going to take from the land, we need to give back. Take so little in reality. Um, but obviously it's not something that most people uh, really educate themselves on or learn about it. I mean, many people don't even have access to a garden or nature in general, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, that's so that's like so great that you're doing that and that you had really this awakening and decided to make this, you know, your purpose in life, which is obviously so important with, you know, intensive agriculture, which is so destructive. Um, and when you think about how different that type of agriculture is to what you're doing, what are your biggest worries and concerns there with intensive agriculture? Um, probably the fact that it's on such a big scale, like, If we're healing the land in pockets, a lot of us regenerative farmers, just mainly access to land is is tight. Um, that they're doing this destruction on a huge scale. So it's like, it's hard to get that back, if you know what I mean. Um, with desertifying the land, if you just taking and taking and taking, it's hard to replenish. There's ways to to replenish. The minute you start looking after soil, it, it, it just it wants to recover. Um, but yeah, it's just this every year till, till, till. And it's just, it's no, it, that, that's my biggest worry is, is if the, we don't wake up to it sooner, um, then there's just going to be so many issues. Um, and it's going to be hard to reverse, but the thing is we have, it's not like we don't know how to reverse it. We do know how to reverse it and it's just implementing those small changes on a big scale. And then once we know how to do that and farmers start realizing there's more money to be made, if they add diversity, more root systems, they keep crops in the ground, um, stop using chemicals, use like wildflower meadow breaks within the fields to attract the right insects, um, it would like they can make more money that's what i don't get it's it's hard because uh, here in the uk i think each farmer only makes 150 pound profit per acre so and that's on like a big scale but they could just quadruple that if they added more diversity to the land um i mean for example like edible flowers are really expensive so there could be a whole nother market for harvesting those wildflowers uh, for chefs um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's difficult. I think it needs to be like teams of people, which I know there, there actually are now, that approach a farmer and say, you could be doing it like this um, and we, this is the support. Um, I think it's just probably the finan financial side of it that makes people scared to give up all what they know uh, to try something different. Um, but the models are there and it, we just need to stop subsidizing this craziness. <laughs> yeah. Um, And that's the problem. Like, I think it's they get subsidies for like just the damage in the land. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the subsidies, they are really like 
that that is that system is so broken and so wrong and i mean that type of intensive agriculture especially is still something from after the second world war and it's something that maybe served a purpose at the time but it definitely doesn't fit with the times anymore something you have to say goodbye to and i think it's so scary to think of something like i mean in the u.s i think one half of the topsoil is already gone and it's estimated that like in 50 years most of the soil in the u.s that is now used for that type of agriculture is going to be dead it's going to be gone and depleted topsoil is the uppermost layer about three to nine inches where most biological activity takes place and i couldn't find a source on u.s topsoil loss only that it is being lost 10 times faster in the u.s than it can be replaced it is the world that has lost half its topsoil in the last 150 years or more accurately, we destroyed it through intensive farming. And according to Maria Elena Zemero of the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, the world could run out of topsoil in about 60 years, if we go at the rate we're going right now. Obviously, there are people who, as you said, the knowledge is there. People know how to change things. If you used all of that land that is used for industrial agriculture that actually yields not really much in comparison to what nature actually the abundance that nature can produce it's it's like really crazy just to see how that happens all over the world and how you know it's still the really just a tiny handful of people like you who really you know practice this and do this because as you said it's a huge scale like this type of agriculture is done in such a huge scale but what are maybe some because he said that there are different factors like financial factors that also stop um, farmers from maybe changing their ways, exploring other practices. What are some myths maybe that you hear about the practices that you implement on your farm that the commercial farming industry maybe says they can't do or that it doesn't work or where, where maybe you've heard from farmers like I can't do that because this and this or um, like maybe saying goodbye to chemicals or other things. Are there some myths out there that other commercial farmers genuinely believe yeah i think they don't believe we can make money um on small scale so they would literally laugh at you if you like for example i've got a quarter of an acre and they would just laugh and then if you show them how much you could make they're like absolutely no way um so that's a myth right there um you can feed a lot of people a quarter of an acre so if you give an acre it's just like incredible how much food you can grow on a small scale um and also chemicals as well i think they're so ingrained in their use it's like it's like if you told me that i can't use compost if you took away the chemicals they'd be like there's no way i can do it uh so i think it's just like a doctor of learning that they've just been ingrained with for so long that they don't believe there's another way it can be done or they find it as uh, pseudoscience but I just don't blame them. It's it's just that, you know, like that's the way it's been for so long. And if it like that's what they've been doing for so long, that it's hard to change. And I think that's a problem with humans. We find it very hard to change. Uh, for example, there could be a better way of even the way I'm farming now 
that I'll get told in like 50 years time. And I'll be like, no, this is the way. But I'd always, I think we need to be open to new, new ways because we don't know. We're, we're idiots in, in comparison to nature. Nature is always perfect. And we somehow manage to f- make it harder for ourselves all the time. Uh, the natural laws are perfect. Like water will always find a way. Like if you look at, um, for example, the way people over farm in certain countries and then when they just fix it, like the rice paddies in um, like the Philippines or uh, Thailand or whatever. And then they, there's certain ways to harvest the rain so it stays on the land. And I feel, I, I just think there's just a lot of dogma Um a lot of people just don't like change. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much because I'm. I'll go off on tangents, but that's okay. We love tangents. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to rein myself in all the time so I don't talk too much. But I just want to get to the point of I think it's just we find it as humans hard to change, and the myths just need to be. The good thing is there's a lot of science out there backing this up now. Like if you look under a microscope, I've got a friend who has a compost company. And he says homemade compost. He has to dilute the um, the stuff he looks under this microscope by five times just so he can record the amount of activity going on. He says when you make it at home, like homemade compost, he says that activity is so crazy. Um, and you and apparently one handful of homemade good quality compost can affect like I think it's like one square meter. Like, so a handful can enrich a square meter of um, soil. Yeah, that's so you don't, crazy. So you don't need much. And if, like, a whole farm's percentage goes up by, like, a few percent, like as much as five, maybe less, uh, the whole farm is enriched. Like, the amount of water it can s- uh, store on the land is insane. Like, it goes up crazy amounts. So it takes a long time to improve land, but if we start doing it, the land's going to be like thankful for it and it will want to improve. Um, yeah. We just need to do our bit. Everyone needs to do our bit. And, and the good thing is we're having these conversations now, five years ago, like I'd find it hard to find a podcast talking about it, or I'd really have to look for the information where I think now there's a lot more people talking about it, which is cool. And documentaries, even on Netflix. Yeah, like um, the one that I think uh, Woody Harrelson is uh, yeah. doing the voice over. Uh, Kiss the ground. Kiss the ground. Yes, <laughs> like <laughs> it's funny. I I I've watched the documentary like three times, and I know the name every time. But then, if you have to recall it, <laughs> um, yeah. But that's a fantastic one. That one was really eye opening. That's definitely something everybody I think should go and watch because I think people um, there's just not enough education around it. But I mean, when when also when I found out about it, like soil i mean the power of soil and i mean everything grows from it and it's something you never think about it's always like trees and the ocean but there are so many aspects to these ecosystems and i mean soil is just such like a wonder and it's it it has so much potential everything everything really that is already there in nature needs to be protected and we need to work with it and kind of also as you said before we we're a part of this so we also have the power to heal it and there are things you know that if you harvest them and if there's human activity it actually flourishes more and people always think you know 
we're kind of like we're humans we're doomed to kind of break or deplete most things that we touch which i think is also something that we have to get away from but as you said it's also great that all these conversations and documentaries are out there and i mean the food grower podcast is one of them i'm going to <laughs> link it down below so if every anybody wants to know more about this they can obviously uh, check out your podcast as well um but what i would also really love to know is if you because this is obviously all about also reimagining things and seeing okay how can we change these existing systems so if you went into a commercial farming operation with like the monocrop fields and big machines and all that space um what is some what would be the first changes that you would make if somebody said look i give you my farm change it around how would you reimagine those spaces let's say it's like mm, let's say 100 acres which is not big for a, a big agricultural scale yeah um i would rewild like 90% of it um and that's just giving it back to the land and let it just take over again so um more native species would be there the insects would come back the birds would come back there'll be ecosystems would start to thrive there'll be roots in the soil as well so the it will start to heal itself and then just on a very small scale i would just set up like um like orchards and wildflower meadows um a market garden and you could make as much well way more actually um just by doing that um so i mean it, in the woodlands as well as well as letting it go wild you could plant like uh trees that like nut trees um you could start you, you could even build like food forests um and you could do that on a small amount of spacing and, and make a lot of like uh, i'm not focusing on profit at all but you could have a profitable farm as well as giving most of it back to nature And the biodiversity of that whole place will just explode. And then you become a model for other farms. You could, yes, have like different aspects on the farm. Rewilding projects, bringing native species back. Um, food forest, orchard, wildflower meadow, market garden. And then you've kind of got every kind of um, different ways of growing within one space. And then just teach other people. That, that's the way it could work. Um, if we all done, if a lot of farms done that, then well, we've been a better place than we are now. Are are most of these really huge farming machines? That especially because I live in Bavaria, there are many huge tractors. There are many like um, monocrop fields here that are mostly like yellowish, brownish that go like on for uh, s like so much of that is just like wheat and corn and things like that. Um, are most of these huge farming machineries in like a permaculture uh, farm, are those redundant? Oh, uh, yeah. Manpower is a beautiful thing. I mean, a lot of permaculture farms are not that big, but you don't need tractors. Like, I mean, sometimes I've seen people use like small tractors to just distribute soil and sometimes fixing the land. Uh, so, for example, if there's like a slope on the land, There's no real dramas about fixing it using machines to just kind of it's like chiropractory. You like you just break it back into place once, fix it once, then it's just like um, then forever past that point. It's fixed. The land's fixed. 
Um, so when I mean swales, it's like, say there's like a, a hill on the land. Instead of the water running off that and uh, washing away, you can cut like, um, you can cut like, I want to say ridges, like we cut these swales into the land and you can hold the water in place. But when the water builds up, it improves the water table and it means there's more water there for plants to thrive. So you can actually grow a lot more, um, a lot more produce there. Um, and yeah, you don't need big, big tractors. Like, I mean, a lot of it can be done with manpower and actually give jobs back on farms. Um, and a lot of stuff like permaculture wise is, when you fix it once, it's a hands-off approach. So if you do a food forest, you plant a tree, you plant fruit bushes, and it's just like a little bit of maintenance. And as the years go on, it's going to improve and become more and more abundant uh, once, it, once the soil's fixed. Um, but these big, big tractors, I would say no, but like maybe smaller scale stuff, then it has its place, but it's not really needed all the time. It's just like for certain jobs. Um, yeah yeah and also we're pumping a lot of like diesel all over the crops as well we're running over land we're compacting the land um yeah it's not ideal it's not good yeah yeah so basically the whole motto is just using less and getting more like less water less or no pesticides less machinery um and then getting more jobs more abundance more diversity more is it is it isn't it like that on a permaculture farm there's about 10 times more food that is produced per unit something like that yeah per square like meter or something like that yeah for sure and it doesn't sound so crazy what we're talking about yet it's yet it is to like on a in the mainstream do you know what i mean it sounds yeah. like we're not asking for much we're just trying to ask for uh, like to live in abundance which is possible yet it doesn't make money to corporations so yeah do, do you understand so it, it we should be living it a lot better let's say yeah. that we should be living eating good food um just going back to the land and and then everything benefits from that it we don't just survive we thrive yeah and that's definitely it would in, improve like on a big scale like if local communities really um implemented that and you know sometimes like these are things that give me so much hope because it's out there and there are people who have the knowledge and actually live this but on the other hand it makes me so mad because it's right there in front of your nose but there are just so many entities in this world like you say big corporations governments that are just really also actively stopping this from happening because it doesn't make money in this or it doesn't bend it it makes money more money for farmers it improves mental health things like that it improves food quality and health of a community but it doesn't make money to those industries that are currently running the global economy so um that's just something that also you know it's that side of that that makes me so mad sometimes because it's so frustrating yeah i totally agree it's frustrating that's why i started to realize um in my old job, I was a part of the problem and not the solution. And that really bothered me. So like I was electrician before. Um, and as well as it's a good job, I just think everyone needs to do the bit to be a part of the solution. 
Um, and that, even if that is like, even if you don't do it as a job, it's supporting that local person, like healing the land or um, doing something more beneficial anyway. Um, that's, I think we can all go back to local economy. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's hard. I mean, we, we know the answers and I just feel like it's just very displaced where the, the money is in the world at the minute. And um, we're, uh, the good thing is, though, we're, I've, I have a lot of faith and I believe that it, we are going in the right direction in terms of how things are starting to come into the consciousness a lot more. People are under, People know what permaculture is. People know people strive to eat better food because, again, I say Netflix, second time I've mentioned it, but there's even <laughs> documentaries about food and it's pretty scary on how pr food is processed where it comes from um so yeah any i think everything's like pointing in the direction of good food farming better um living probably eating more plants things like that yeah it's do you do you feel like in your own community or people you talk to or in general that like there's really that like a, a ball has kind of started rolling like that regenerative farming and that like people wanting to be independent and appreciating nutritious food and like natural mindful practices in regards to growing food that that's like really that you can feel that it's picking up and gaining like the deserved attention do you think like what's happening right now is it significant or are you saying more like okay it maybe needs like a bit more of a push or are you feeling like changes happening are you like a shift in the dynamic there um i think change always needs to happen where where i live um exactly um not as much like me doing what i'm doing i'm like the only guy around where i live doing what i'm doing But in saying that, in, since I came home from Australia, I used to have to go all the way into London, even to get a good coffee. Let, that's just, just basic, quite basic as well. Um, but even going to Whole Foods to buy a whole, uh, like organic food, and even that wasn't local. But now there is a big push for um, organic food, um, Uh, people wanting to eat better, but even people knowing what turmeric is, has <laughs> even changed. Um, uh, there's a lot more like plant-based places, a lot more juice companies. So yeah, I think it's in the conversation a lot more. And when I talk to people about what I do, everyone's like super interested because they're like, oh, I've watched this documentary or I know these guys growing mushrooms. So I'm always finding that out. And since lockdown, I, I know a lot more people farming in this way. Um, And I do think it's exploding here in the UK, definitely. And I think across Europe, we're going to start to see it more and more um, because I think the Americans, uh, Australians, Canadians, they, they've been doing it a, a few years ahead of us. And I always think I almost think the blueprint is there for more people to start market gardens. Um, but yeah, it's coming back. It's coming back. And I feel in the UK, we don't have much of a food culture. So when I say that, I mean, we grow a lot of, we can grow a lot of good food here. And I, I wonder if the same is in Germany as well. But a lot of our food culture is influenced by like Italy, Turkey, Spain, um, France, um, yeah. like Indian food, um, 
yeah, Thai food, but like we can grow so much good food here. And our cuisine is like, like, yeah, I mean, I think the whole world knows that English food is pretty crap, but <laughs> <laughs> like fish and chip, like fish and peas with everything. Or I don't, I don't really know what many people think of English food, but I've always heard really funny jokes about it. Well, some people um, actually um, in Germany, they call it a heart attack on a plate because everything <laughs> is fried. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> but I mean, um, in saying that, like traditional German food is really crap as well. Like there's a lot of fat um, there's a lot of uh, like heavy meats. There's a lot of like sauces and things like that. There's not much vegetables, fruit, um, not in other cultures where there's rice with a lot of vegetables and things like that and mm. a lot of different spices. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's really something like obviously depending on where you live, you probably have also different um view on that but it's it's also funny um how you said in the beginning that that was the first time where you said really wow this is what food tastes like because i think like even like my uncle um he um has he lives in new york he has like um a little house near the beach and there he grew like tomatoes in like a little pot in his backyard and um it was only that one thing and he didn't like do much with it it was just in like a, a little pod and probably the the soil was something like um from like a plant nursery or something like not his own compost and these tomatoes tasted they were like an explosion of flavors in comparison to grocery store tomatoes and like if you can grow something like that in a little small pot in your backyard and nothing else is surrounding it and where you say okay this may not even be ideal conditions um it's it's like crazy what just a little like love and just letting a plant grow somewhere it can do in comparison to you know this other type of agriculture Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, I mean, once people grow food, you, it's hard to go back because, you know, you've, you've hit a level of expectancy of, oh, my God, if it tastes that good. And then you go to a supermarket and you taste that, you're like, oh, my God, I want my own tomatoes back. So <laughs> you, you're going to constantly, I feel like if you're going to be disappointed if you can't grow again for whatever reason, but it's going to make you want to grow year after year. So I feel like it's one of those Uh, things that is very addictive because I mean I went to Australia never thinking I'd be a farmer and now it's got out of control <laughs> now I am um, but like that one tomato has like caused a lot of <laughs> a lot of big ripple effect in my life so I just think people once they understand quality of food then there'll be a demand for it as well so there probably will be more of a demand for more growers, um, more farmers markets. Um, and I mean, it's happening. It's slowly happening. We're getting there. Um, but yeah, we just need to talk about it more, demand it more. And then it, and then it, I even think the supermarkets have to change the way of doing things like having to maybe go to mainly organic instead of, um, what they're, whatever they're doing now. Yeah. And I think the thing about that is also like when my grandmother was a child, for example, when they went to a store, it obviously looked nothing like a grocery store we have today. But 
obviously there there were only local foods sold only seasonal foods because there was nothing else and i think when people say now you know oh but like how are we going to change this we can't grow only local food like some people genuinely believe that that it wouldn't be enough food that um you know that wouldn't work that the economy would crash or something like that there are people who genuinely believe this and i mean that just it's been done differently it was so different at one point that everybody was fed and there was only seasonal and local food and that's like the fact that it was like that and that was a normal thing like people didn't have strawberries in winter in germany because you don't have strawberries in winter in germany like now obviously you can have a greenhouse but like i think this thought of oh we can't do it like this obviously because it has been done it is something that can be done again yeah and i think there's still countries around the world where most of their food is come from like uh home gardens um i think i see a meme go around all the time saying even russia like 40 percent of their food is still coming from people's back gardens um so we used to live in a farming based society before the like industrial revolution or whatever yeah. <laughs> um so we've done it before and the thing is like if even if like one person per street grew the whole garden like they could feed most of the street in the summer like really really good food loads of vegetables um and the thing is like you can grow in really small spaces uh, and i'm sure if anyone listening has grown f even in a small space you end up giving it away there's almost too much food like one courgette plant could feed a family yeah. <laughs> uh, over the over the summer um same with tomatoes that like you start to realize oh my god i've got too many tomatoes i can eat here um so yeah i think just more even just i think even just like 20 percent more than what we've already got would see a boom in like more people trading good food and eating good food uh, i just now i strive for it like I really can taste the difference and it's, it, I've, I've ruined myself because I find it, I find it hard to buy anything from a supermarket that I can grow. Cause I'm just like, oh, it's not going to taste as good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good thing because it's obviously a rarity in that people feel like that. And I mean, that's, that's good because it needs that change and it needs those people who think differently so that, you know, we can move towards different, but um, like maybe as a closing thought, how are you seeing kind of personally the future of this planet and food distribution, agriculture, and maybe like the politics around it? How is kind of your view on the maybe near future? Are things going to change for the positive? Like what's your feeling there? Oh, Well, I don't think it's worth even thinking about the negative because if we think like that, then we won't get anywhere. We won't change. Um, so you need we need a lot of faith. Um, but the good thing is, is when like being in the circles I'm in of like growing food and finding more people that contact me that want to grow food or are growing food, um, I'm seeing such a big uh, positive change, um, even I just watched the video today, actually, and it was like the five uh, five projects around the world that are like healing the land. Um, it's a really cool video. And like in China in the 90s, uh, 
they healed there was land that was just desertified over farmed um a lot of water was running off into the rivers there was creating dust storms over the cities it was like really degraded and within 10 years they reversed uh area the size of holland um back to lush abundance all the people went from super poor to like now were quite wealthy they were selling at markets everyone their whole lives changed but also the economy changed and the uh, ecosystems changed and that's what kind of goes with it is when the planet or the land is healthy the economy is healthy as well so it makes sense to go back to the land and be rich in abundance because that goes into everything abundance of health abundance of wealth lifestyle so i feel like if we don't strive for it we're pretty screwed so yeah <laughs> we we all need to just work towards a better lifestyle and i just recommend anyone listen to this grow your own food start as small as possible microgreens indoors on a kitchen windowsill or a small garden with even in a small box on a balcony in pots like start and realize how good food should taste um but also try and find local growers, maybe work with them like on volunteer days, understand where your food comes from a bit more, uh, change habits when you go to the supermarket, um, try and find a local farmer's market. And I know a lot of this stuff might sound expensive as well, but there's better ways of doing stuff. Like if you can buy like one organic pumpkin, you could make two weeks worth of meals from it um, and start, yeah, start small. Um, doesn't have to be expensive, doesn't have to take too much time or a lot of land. Um, we could, there's always a way to do it. That's definitely, I think, um, kind of enabling and empowering people and saying, you know, you can do this too, no matter the space you have. Obviously, for some people, it's more accessible. Um, but definitely, it's something empowering to grow your own food and see, you know, that that can work. And definitely, you know, if if also you know some many people live in their towns and they don't really know like their surrounding businesses farmers but if you just you know go on google maps or you look it up um on the internet you can just see you know is there maybe something like an organic farmer or a permaculture farm around me that i can support that i can check out you know ask some questions um you know get to know your own area that's definitely a great step as well yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think a lot of people in this space are super friendly, like they're trying to go against the grain of <laughs> what what's going on in the world, trying to be positive. So I always find there's a really good community, whether it's on Instagram or, or locally, that people want to encourage pe more people to do this, grow food, eat better food. Um, so, yeah, I've got a lot of faith in where farming can go. Um, we need to just really go back and heal our home because we are nature we yeah. shouldn't separate ourselves like us and nature we are nature uh, so by damaging it we damage ourselves so we just need to just wake up get growing eat better food live in the abundance and let's turn this planet back into a haven yeah definitely 
Amen. That's it. <laughs> I would say to that, I'm yeah. Try, I was trying to lift it on a positive note on the way out. Yeah, up. definitely. It's always good uh, to end that on a positive note. And, you know, I thank you because obviously every single person who's doing work like that is um, bettering, you know, our planet, influencing other people, teaching other people. So, you know, thank you for what you're doing. And it was really an absolute pleasure to have you on. And it was so great talking to you and hearing, you know, your views and opinions. So thank you for that. No, no worries at all. Like I hope more people listen to what you're doing as well. Um, it's good to get the message out there. And yeah, I appreciate you having uh, the time to put me on as well, because it's nice to, I love talking about it. We definitely loved listening to you, Jack. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you to everybody who was listening in today. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to leave it a review and share this with friends and family or anybody you know who might be interested in these topics specifically. And don't forget in the description to check out the Food Grower podcast, which is hosted by Jack and his friend Chris from Fanfield Farm, where you can learn a lot more about regenerative farming, permaculture, and all those things, as well as going check out the other links down below for example um, a few uh, articles about topsoil and um, the videos about aquaponics so i hope you enjoyed have a great rest of your day and i'll see you next episode